this is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. And we're going to be back in Ephesians today. And we're, as we look at these uh, last verses of Ephesians chapter 1, we're looking at the prayer of Paul at the end of chapter 1. And really, if you were to, to try to sum up the theme of this prayer, it is open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look this morning to verses 15 through 23. And if you'll follow along in your copy of God's word. The Bible says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above All rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so, Father, we pray that you would use this prayer of the Apostle Paul to open the eyes of our hearts this morning. Father, we pray that you would help us to know you more deeply and help us to understand more deeply the hope that we have in Jesus, the power that we have been given in Jesus. Help us to understand that the very resurrection power that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead is available to us in our daily lives. And so, Father, speak to our hearts right now through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pudi Sock is a young Cambodian-American woman who works on staff at the Baptist Collegiate Ministries at the University of Texas at Arlington. She is one of the most joyful, exuberant personal evangelists that I have ever heard of. You can see her story on YouTube. But Pudi's testimony really speaks to what Paul is talking about in this passage and the power of prayer. Because she came to college her freshman year as an atheist. She'd been raised in a Buddhist family, but really didn't believe anything. But Pudi had a desire to develop some close friendships her freshman year in college, which she did. And the grace of God, some of her new friends were followers of Jesus. And she found herself attracted to them. She saw their love for one another, experienced their love for her. And they shared the gospel with her many times, but Pudi was resistant to the gospel. Nevertheless, she felt drawn to something that they had. She found herself asking questions about eternal things. And one day... She was in the student ministries building at the BCM, 
at the University of Texas at Arlington. And Pudi wandered into a little room that was used by the students for prayer. And she saw a little bowl on the table. And the bowl was filled with little strips of paper folded over. And she found herself putting her finger into that bowl. And she pulled out strip after strip of paper that had her name written there. Overwhelmed by just the love of God's people and, and, and the power of God working through their prayers, Pudi gave her heart and life to Jesus and is now leading many other students to Christ. You know, sometimes we get frustrated because we share the gospel with lost family members, lost friends, and they seem resistant to the gospel. But listen, I want to encourage you in something. Don't just tell your lost friends the gospel. Tell God about your lost friends. Pray for them. God can do things in, in opening hearts that we, we simply cannot do. You know, Proverbs 21 and verse 1 tells us that just like you can take your hand and you can direct a stream of water, like if you put your hand beneath the faucet, you can, you can direct that stream one way or the other. Proverbs 21.1 tells us that God and his sovereign power can turn the direction of a heart. And so we need to be praying for our lost friends, and we need to be praying for our church. What we see here in Ephesians 1.15-23 is a prayer for God's people, a prayer for the church, the missionary pioneer Hans von Staden once said this. He said, when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. Paul is praying here for God to work in the life of this church in Ephesus and in the life of our church. This is something we need to be praying for our church. So let's talk about the prayer that we see here in verses 15 through 23. First of all, we see that it is prayer to the triune God. God is a trinity. We worship one God who reveals himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't ever let anyone tell you that the trinity is not in the Bible. The trinity is from Genesis to Revelation. And and, and in, in verse 17, we see all three persons of the trinity in one verse, don't we? Let's look at verse 17. He is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. All three persons of the Trinity are here in verse 17. We come to God in prayer as our Father. Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. But how are... Sinners like us, how can we come into the presence of one so pure, one so holy? Um, How does that happen? How can we come into his presence, let alone address him as father? It's because he poured himself out and he became a human being who took our sins upon himself on the cross, died for our sins, paid the price, rose from the dead, 
so that we can have eternal life. And when God the Son ascended into heaven, God the Holy Spirit descended. And he draws us to Christ. And he empowers us for Christian living. And he assures us that we are children of God and we can address God as our Father. So all three persons of the Trinity work together to make us what we are. And so when we pray, we pray to the triune God. Second, we see in this prayer that it is prayer for the knowledge of God. Paul is praying here that we would know God and that we would know him more deeply. He's praying uh, that we would, would know uh, more about this, this wondrous triune God, that we would know not just about him, but know him. And so we see in verses 17 and 18, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and, uh, and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So, why do we want to know God better? Well, if you're a Christian, you love him. If you love someone, obviously you want to get to know them better. If you don't love God there's reason to question whether or not you are truly a child of God. You may have religion, but not a relationship. But if you have a relationship with God through Christ, you love him. And when you love someone, you want to get to know them better. Second, if you are a Christian, you want to be more like the God that you love. You care about holiness. You care about obedience. You want your life to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. And so, obviously, we want to know more about who, what the one is like that we seek to be conformed to. Third, if you are a Christian, you want your decisions, your choices in life to be in line with the character and will of God. But how do we know his character? How do we know his will? We have to get to know him better. And then all of us, whether you're here as a Christian or someone who's not yet a Christian, every single person in this room desires something that can only come through the knowledge of God. Every person in this room wants to be happy. You want a fulfillment, a satisfaction, and a joy in your life that can only come through the knowledge of God. Nothing on this earth can give it to you. Not all the money in the world can give it to you. Not all of the earthly acclaim or prestige or whatever in this world can give it to you. No other person can give it to you, no matter how much you love them and no matter how much they love you. This, there's a part of you that can only be satisfied by the knowledge of God. You know, C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy... The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You were made by God and for God. And there is a part of you that is simply not going to be satisfied and fulfilled apart from knowing him. But how do we get to know God? How do we know him better? Well, well first of all, uh, we get to know God through his word, through his written word, through the, the scripture. 
If you want to know what God's character is like, if you want to know what pleases Him and what displeases Him, if you want to know the promises of God, then immerse yourself in the Bible. All knowledge of God, listen to me, must be filtered and tested by the written word of God. I want to tell you something. God's will will never contradict his word. There are all kinds of issues, okay, where God, we, we don't have to wonder because God's word has already addressed them very clearly, very clearly. And his will is never going to contradict his word. So all knowledge of God has to be filtered and tested by the written word of God. When we come across any issue in life, okay, if we want to know what's true and what's false, if we want to know what's moral, what's immoral, all of that, what's the question that we ask? What does Scripture teach? What does the Bible teach? We filter it and we test it through the word of God. So we get to know God and his will through his written word. We get to know God through his people. God works through brothers and sisters in Christ as we do life together with them. We grow in our faith. We're here to help one another. We grow through experience as we walk with the Lord through the years. We, we come to know him more and more through the experiences of our lives. We get to know him better through prayer. Obviously, the Holy Spirit works through all of those things and more to impart to us the knowledge of God. And listen, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You have what you need, if you're a believer, to get to know God better. It is not a matter. In fact, when you look at this prayer here, Paul is not praying for something, for us to have something that we don't yet have. He's praying for our eyes to be open to see what we do have. Yeah, you know, I love this backpack. This thing has been with me all over the world. Africa three times, the Middle East uh, four times. It's been with me to South Asia, to Bangladesh, um, all over the place. It's been with me in many, many of these United States. And um, it still looks in pretty good shape after, after all of that. But, you know, one of the things that I love about this thing is that it has compartment after compartment. Now, you see a couple of, couple of zippers here. That doesn't even begin to tell the story. Okay, this is like an Indiana Jones backpack. When you dig through this thing, there's all kinds of, of just little compartments and he, uh, secret little nooks and crannies of where you can put things in this. In fact, on more than one occasion, I, I'll think that I've left something behind, but I haven't left it behind at all. I just need to pour through the backpack a little bit more. The answer is not outside that backpack. The answer is inside of it. it I, it's, all, it's already there. And that's really what Paul is saying in this text. He's saying that that, that he's not praying for anything that they don't yet have. They already have it. The issue is that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, opened, for us to see what we do have, what we already have. And what do we have? He prays for two things very specifically here that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to. And the first is the hope that we have in Christ. It's a prayer that we would see the hope that is ours in Christ. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope 
to which he's called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Listen, if you are in Christ today, the best is yet to come in your life. And for that reason, because we had this amazing hope and this incredible inheritance that we are coming into as believers, we don't want to get too attached to the blessings of this life or to burdened by the trials of this life. Because we understand that the things of this life are temporary. Um, our real home is in heaven. And so Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And listen, when we fix our eyes on that which is beyond this life, it transforms the way we live in this life. You know, I've heard the old expression that some people can be so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I haven't met many people like that. But I've met a lot of people, and the tendency that I battle myself is to be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. We're so focused on the things of this life. And we need to focus on what's coming, the hope that we have. Dr. D.A. Carson says this, In our generation, which reflects too little on the future and almost never on eternity, it is distressingly obvious that we need help, help from God, so as to be able to know the hope to which we have been called Only then will we become more interested in living with eternity's values constantly before our eyes. What we will will have to show before the great king on the last day will be infinitely more important to us than what we leave behind here. Now, Dr. Carson, in his own testimony, bears witness to that. Dr. Carson, who's used so greatly as a teacher of, of New Testament as a young man, was struggling with his future, and he didn't know what God wanted to do with his life and so forth. And and during those days, Dr. Carson said a a song that he had learned as a child in church began to come back to him. Those of you who are involved in ministry to children, listen to me. Don't, Don't you underestimate the difference that you're making or the way that the Holy Spirit can use the seeds that you sow, parents and teachers at an early age, and just bring them to fruition. Because during those days as a young man, he's praying about his future, the, the words of this song he learned as a little boy kept coming back to him, and it was, it was this one. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. Listen, when we stand before Jesus, there's not going to be one iota of regret you know, that we've given too much of our time or talents or treasures or whatever for the cause of Christ. We'll say, I wish I had given him more because everything's going to be clear in that moment. And so listen, we're coming into an inheritance as believers that is greater than all we can possibly ask or imagine. Does it really make sense for us to get too attached to the things of this earth? To hold on to the things of this earth so tightly when we're coming into such an incredible inheritance? So it's it's a prayer 
to see the hope that is ours in Christ. And then it's a prayer to see the power that is ours in Christ. Look at verses 19 through 23. Paul prays that we would see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places and far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. You dealing with a trial today? Let me tell you something. What's over your head is under his feet. Amen? And gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Now, do you notice the language of power in these verses? He's stressing the sovereign authority of God, the, the power of God. Well, there's a reason for that. Power was a big deal in Ephesus and the surrounding region. Political power, it was the capital of the Roman province of Asia. Cultural power, economic power, most of all religious power, because what dominated the life of Ephesus, the temple of Artemis, right there in the middle of the city, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis where worship of this false goddess was carried out day after day, where people from around the world flocked to the city of Ephesus for the worship of idols. And because they worshiped idols, they were held captive by the demonic power that comes through idol worship. And Paul knew that the only thing that was going to liberate these people from that demonic power, the only thing that was going to shatter that stronghold was the power of God. The Greek word is dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. And Paul knew that we need the dynamite, the dunamis, the dynamite power of God that shatters, that blows apart all earthly powers and the captivity of demonic power to the enemy. And Paul knew that these people that he's writing to, these Christians, had been liberated from their enslavement to false gods, their enslavement, their captivity to demonic power. And if you've been saved, you have been as well. And what Paul wants them to understand and what he wants us to understand is that the power of God is now available to us. That the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us in our everyday lives. Yes, it's true. And sometimes that power can manifest itself uh, in stunning ways. You know, God can use us in, you know, all kinds of things that are visibly miraculous and signs and wonders and so forth. Um, that can happen, but that's not how his power is usually manifested in our lives. Usually it works in more quiet ways. Like, for instance, putting to death a secret sin in your life that has held you captive for many years. You know, a, a sin that is habitual that is secret, that has been dominant over you, that the, the power of God can free you from that. It, it, the power of God can do things like 
make you a better husband or a better wife or a better parent. Um, the Spirit of God, the power of God can, can work in your life to make you more gentle and more patient and more loving and more kind and more giving. The power of God can make you more of a person of prayer. The power of God can, uh, can, can enable you to, to do things in the life of the church in ministry that you, you didn't, weren't sure if you were able to do them, but, but you, you step out there and, and, and you get out of your comfort zone and you, you feel the power of God coming through and enabling you to do things that you didn't think you could do. You experience the power of God when you begin to open your mouth and you begin to share with a lost friend the gospel. You didn't know if you would have the right words, and God just comes and he, he gives you the words when you're obedient to him and when you open your lips to share. You know, it's, it's things like that every day where, where the, the, the power of God is, is available to us. And listen, here's the good news. This power is available it is available to you. God is no hoarder of power. I've been on mission trips in certain countries where the government turns the power off. They turn the power off. They turn the AC off a, a few times a day to conserve energy. God doesn't need to conserve energy. He has an unlimited supply of power to give to you. But here's the issue. We don't always recognize his power. And so Paul is praying here that God would give us the spirit of, of revelation, that he would open the eyes of our hearts, that we, would, that we would understand and see the very power of God that is available to us day by day, moment by moment. I was at the beach a couple of weeks ago, and I could look out at the Atlantic pretty much any time of day and see a ship or two out there on the horizon. If someone had handed me a pair of binoculars, I'm sure I could have seen a few more. And if I had had a telescope to look out across the Atlantic, not only would I have seen dozens of boats and ships, I could have seen the writing on the side of them. could have seen people walking around on deck. So often in the Christian life, it's, it's that way. Um, Paul is praying that God would would open the eyes of our hearts to understand the hope that we have in Christ, that, that our, our hearts would surge with hope as we, we understand we're coming into this inheritance. And that the eyes of our hearts would be open to understand the power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's available. You don't have to do life alone anymore in your own strength. You can live in His power day by day. May God open our eyes to see it and live in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the promises of Your Word. Thank You for this prayer. We pray that You would indeed open the eyes of our hearts that we would understand the hope that we have in Christ, the inheritance that we're coming into as believers, and that that would change the way that we live on this earth, 
the way that we think about things on this earth, the way that we deal with trials, the way that we uh, handle blessings, uh, the way that we handle possessions, all of those things, because we're living in light of eternity's values. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to understand that the resurrection power that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead is available for us day by day, moment by moment. Would you deliver us from self-sufficiency, trying to uh, live life on our own, and in our own strength, and make us more dependent upon you, your power. May we be calling out to you, praying uh, throughout our lives, throughout the day, as we lean upon you and the sufficiency of your grace and, and power. Father, we pray that you deepen our knowledge of you uh, through your word as we take part in the, the family of God and, and the church and do life together, um, as we journey deeper and deeper into, um, into prayer, into uh, scripture. Father, we pray that our, our knowledge of you would be deepened, expanded. Let me just continue to, to bow before the Lord right now. If you're here this morning and you're not certain that you're a Christian, friend, the work has been done. God loved you so much that he poured himself out. He became a human being who took your sins upon himself, paid the penalty for them, rose victoriously from the dead. And so the doorway is open for salvation, for rescue, for freedom, for eternal life. Your part is to turn to Jesus Christ and trust Him today. Repent of your sins. Turn from trying to do life apart from Him and turn to Jesus and trust Him and rest in His finished work today. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. If that's your prayer, the cry of your heart, and you want to know more about what it means to become a Christian, I want to invite you to slip out from where you are and come to the front. And I want to pray with you, and we want to come alongside you. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about being a part of this church family, we want to invite you to slip out and to come today. If there's a need in your life for prayer there are folks here who can pray for you. This altar is open for you to pray. And so, Father, speak right now to your people. Have your way in every life. We ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. 
You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.